The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book. And you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, and on today's episode, I'm joined by founder of the Asheville Hemp Project and a pioneer in sustainability technology, in particular, green building and architecture, the, the one and only Leslie Hoffman, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us, or me, <laughs> and the imaginary yeah. us that's listening in the future. Leslie, thank you for being here. Thank I would love you, it. Mark, for having oh. me. Thank you. It's a nice I, break from farming. <laughs> nice. Can you tell the folks a little more about yourself and your illustrious experience in, in the hemp world? Well, sure. I mean, I'm OG, right? I've been in love with this plant and had respect for the cannabis plant for, I realized not so long ago, like before my first real in love boyfriend i've been in love with cannabis so like okay an old lover um and i had i've, I've been a passionate gardener since i was in my 20s and i bought a small farm on the big island of hawaii which i owned for about 31 years sold it in late 2015 and so I got, I had an introduction to the plant when I was in college. I became a passionate gardener. I get a farm in Hawaii and I meet some of the old advocates, you know, people who went to jail, people who were guerrilla farmers. And I learned the history of the cannabis prohibition and all of the issues tied to that that connect to racism and you know jazz music and black folks and marijuana because it was mexicans etc etc i was like this is deep right and um I went to work in 19 late 1993 early 94 for an illustrious labor mediator in New York City running his foundations. So I had a philanthropist checkbook, right? And mostly I produced projects, as you mentioned, all focused on sustainability. But I had the opportunity to make some contributions towards drug policy reform. I mean, before there was the Drug Policy Alliance, I was supporting Ethan Nadelman's work at the Linda Smith Center at Princeton University. So I've been connected to it, supportive, pushing the right direction, never particularly worried that I was going to end up going to jail, but understood how wrong it was. And uh, so I had this notion as a gardener, free the plant, right? And um, in the early 90s, I would say it was 94, 5, I met an interesting Jamaican fashion designer. And together with one other person, we created a hemp fashion company. So that was my first sort of business 
relationship to cannabis. Um, the fashion business is a tough one. So I, I have to say, you know, two seasons in, when Woody Harrelson came into the store called Planet Hemp in Soho and bought the whole rack out, I turned to my partners, I said, we're out of the fashion business. I mean, this is crazy. Um, and then, you know, my day job was based in New York, although working internationally and certainly nationally promoting sustainable technology across a wide range. I mean, from turning food waste into renewable natural gas to local and sustainable farming initiatives with support from folks like Quaker and Bank of America and Lexus. And we did some a lot of sustainable textile work with the fashion industry. Um, but I wasn't really paying attention to the legalization movement much. I was vaguely aware that California had medical had a medical program, and uh, I'm not a medical patient, other than an occasional checkup. So uh, it didn't really touch me. And in 2015, a former employee of mine and a friend was talking to me, and he said, "I know these guys in New Jersey, and uh, I think you'd really like what they're doing, and I think you could really add some value." And he introduced me. And uh, in late 2015, I went to work for one of the six original vertically integrated medical marijuana companies in New Jersey, which I have been doing since then. Um, in 2015, I decided to buy this farm where I am now outside of Asheville, North Carolina, mostly because it's closer and a little more manageable for staying connected to my New York life. And in late 2015, the end of December 2015, I actually sold my farm in Hawaii after 31 years. So I was in the industry in New Jersey. I had, when I went to work in New Jersey, I rented my little log cabin, which is where I'm sitting here. Um, because I needed to be back in the city. And um, my tenant came to me in 2017 and he said, you know, I know you're in the cannabis industry and North Carolina just opened up for applications for a pilot program growing hemp. And I have 23 acres and uh, I've had cows running on it for the last 35 years here. So fertile. And, um, I said, yeah, sounds like fun. Let's give it a try. And my partner is Scott Brinkley, who is a scientist, a soil scientist, actually, had grown cannabis previously. So he took on the farm field work and, um, you know, I supplied lots of support. And then in 2019, we incorporated the Asheville Hemp Project and decided to launch a consumer packaged goods pro company. Um, so we have four products and uh, here we are. Wow, so cool. I wanna ask you about the Asheville Hemp Project and you know, a little more about why you decided to, to actually go and start a, a CPG brand and 
kind of a, a little bit of the motivation there. And also I have like a bunch of other questions about, you know, the future of hemp sustainability and, and hemp textiles and all that other stuff. I'm wondering if you're still uh, very much involved in, in those worlds. Okay, I'll, I'll start at the top and work to the end, or I'm happy to answer anything, of course. So um, what, what motivated us, honestly, we were early, obviously, so we're in our third season now. And, and it became clear as farmers and programs nationally, and then the 2018 Farm Bill passing, I mean, there's just a rush to growing. We're a small scale craft operation. We do operate sustainably. We don't use plastic in our fields and we do a lot of handwork. So I know enough about agriculture to know big boys win. I mean, it's, it's hard to compete against somebody who's got big equipment, flat, easy, you know, irrigated land, etc. So we saw the handwriting on the wall. And if we didn't bring our product to market packaged as a brand, we really couldn't make economic sense of continuing to grow hemp. So that's a little tough. In addition to that, I had a point of view that's pretty, pretty well embedded now, starting with sustainability and I having done these other projects that I mentioned. So I thought through a brand we could share that point of view. And you'll notice that our tagline is look inward, look outward, and look homeward. And that's sort of a play on the open airiness of the tobacco barn, which you can see in that logo there. Looking inward, of course, is the self-reflective piece. And as a pioneer in sustainability, I've been very focused on consumption patterns and what drives them and where to derive value from that and minimizing impact on the planet. Con looking outward for us is largely about connecting to nature. And in this case, not only connecting to our place here, our plot of ground, but also connecting to the plant itself and the source of it and knowing the source, sort of knowing your farmer, right? It's why we like farmer's markets. You know the source of the food you're eating. So, and then Look Homeward is a reference to Look Homeward Angel, which is a book that was written by Thomas Wolfe in Asheville about Asheville. Amazing. And Leslie, can you show us some of that packaging and oh, sure. some of your products? Sure. Here we go. Package. This is a 10-pack of pre-rolls. Well, let's see if I can quickly actually open one because it's got, it's all very, and our, our goal Mike is to do a handcrafted grow and then we work with GMP compliant manufacturers so that our products meet the expectations of a modern consumer on a shelf and that's for freshness, safety, consistency, etc. 
And uh, so this is a straight pre-roll hemp from our field. And we developed a proprietary crutch that is not filtered because we did a little reading and realized that 30% of the cannabinoids are filtered out when you use a filter. So then you say, well, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Even, I mean, forget the acetate filters, which end up on the ground and, you know, never to decompose. And then, of course, you've got these days an eco filter that does decompose, but it's still filtering out the CBD or other cannabinoids that you might get. So we innovated, came up with this crutch. So it gives you a nice thing to hold and yet doesn't block out the cannabinoids and it's all food grade and biodegradable. And another one of our products, it's a little unusual. This is a CBD gum. It has no THC in it at all. It's a very normal mouthfeel. It's five times more efficient because as you're chewing, your salivary glands are getting activated and that saliva is what takes up the CBD into your system. So it's a mint flavor, it's packaged. I don't, you can see it there. You just, you know, one at a time, little bullet there. Um, people love it. And, uh, you know, for people who don't like to smoke but want CBD, it's a nice option. We, of course, have the obligatory um, extract product, but we blend ours with an olive oil so that its flavor profile is compatible with food, tastes good. And um, we have one product that has no CBD in it at all, but it's this delicious, fabulous, certified organic hemp seed oil lip balm. And um, that's been a big hit as well. And, and of course, what we're trying to do is not only provide customers with a wide range of products, all of them are compliant, third-party tested, but the extract and the smokes have less than 0.3% THC. The gum, as I mentioned, has no THC. And this lip balm has no CBD or THC. So in addition to giving customers options, what we're doing is giving retailers an opportunity to engage with hemp products that they may not yet have policies to support. Awesome. Like, Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Well, kudos to you for getting all of those products out there. And I, I want to ask you, shifting gears a bit, about mm -hmm. 2020, which has mm -hmm. been, you know, a wild, interesting year. And I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious how yes. how how your business has been affected by by all the madness of of this year, if at all. It has, certainly. I mean, this is a weird climate to be launching a consumer packaged goods company, right? You can't make meetings. Nobody's shopping in stores. You know, retailers are, you know, afraid to go to their offices. So that's been incredibly challenging. And um, on the other hand, 
I would say what it has done is it threw me onto the farm. It, it was sort of the obvious thing is, okay, if I'm not making meetings in New York, get my ass down to the farm and bend over and start working, you know? So that's been helpful to Scott, of course. And we've done a lot of planning on the farm this year. And because of COVID, we planted a big victory garden. So it'll be, f it'll be full of food. And we've also mixed it up with flowers in addition to hemp flower. We're also growing lots of other flowers, including poppies and tobacco and a few other, you know, flowers. So we're beautifying like mad. And, um, you know, so, so the, the lack of ability to have meetings has been hard, and yet the lack of ability to have meetings has said, okay, we're all getting more efficient, we're doing lots of Zoom, and then sort of back to work. And um, I didn't mention it, but this is a 1935 small scale, sort of typical from that time, tobacco farm. So in addition to all the handwork in the field, we dry and cure along the lines of and using the infrastructure of this old tobacco farm. So growing tobacco is playing into that a bit. Wow. So it's, it's both challenging and life goes on. I mean, I, I'd say, you know, COVID and Black Lives Matter and all of the dynamic that's been going on that has impacted the first half of 2020 um, is significant. And then you realize, oh, nature doesn't wait. You know, she's going on with or without us here. So we're, you know, meeting the cycles of nature, which I hope to show you at the end of this. We'll take a walk in the field. Awesome. Well, I, I want to shift back to the, the textile question because I'm sure. wondering, you know, around hemp fashion and when, when I think about sustainability, you know, I have a friend who says hemp is the most regenerative natural resource or plant in the world. You know, I, I, I think it's like water is number one and then hemp is number two. And She's a blessing. <laughs> Not to be ignored. Lots of potential. Lots right. Of right. Um, so I, I wanted to ask yeah. you about, you know, I, I, there's headlines in the last year or so about, you know, Levi's switching from cotton to hemp, or at least some portion of it, Patagonia investing in hemp. You know, mm -hmm. I, I guess from, from your perspective, you know, what do you see as, as the future of, of hemp and sustainability? And what will it take for some of these major corporations and major supply chains to replace less sustainable, less eco-friendly uh, resources with hemp? Okay, so there's a lot in there. Um, first of all, I think some of the potential, I mean, the potential is huge. Some of it goes beyond textiles and will ultimately go to biofuels, food, obviously. I believe that building materials will be enormous. Big industry, 
the issue is and what's required similarly for textiles and i'm a textile junkie you know so i mean i love textiles fine textiles all kinds of textiles and certainly hemp textiles back in the day when i had ism our hemp fashion company we were buying textiles out of china and eastern europe the quality was questionable at best you know you'd unroll a bolt of fabric and you'd see big you know um tears or problems in the middle of it you think wow how could you you know quality controls zero um what's required is infrastructure expensive infrastructure so we're at the point where we're you know collectively as a community we're doing research we're doing pilot projects but to really end up creating a serious hemp fiber building materials sector there's going to be some big infrastructure that's going to have to be put in place and that's going to require a lot of money so i think it'll take some time textiles is an odd one or a little different let's say because we dissembled our textile industry pretty much across the board in the united states right so and shipped it to china and elsewhere as did the italians as did other countries so to rebuild the textile industry in the u.s I, i'm i'm not sure uh, uh, building materials looks like there's more money in it to me and therefore the roi will be better right um and fuel of course enormous um but I think, you know, hemp for even, I see people doing animal bedding projects now. I think, I think we've barely scratched the surface, lots to come, and all nothing but positive. I mean, it's biologically positive, ecologically positive, putting farmers to work is a good thing always. Um, and that's a whole sector, the ag sector has been decimated in this country, right? So bringing that back and encouraging more people to be farmers and to see a viable lifestyle in farming um, is great. A few episodes back, I had Danny Danko on. We were talking about why everyone should grow their own pot and grow their own food. And he said, we need to make farming cool again. And the, I think I've that working, it's happening. I've been working on that, Mike, for like 30 years. You know? <laughs> I nice. always kept thinking, come on, kids, come on. But, you know, here's the reality. You're at the mercy of the weather. It's extremely hard work. So farming easy is like, huh, really? Huh? <laughs> Show me. It's not. So uh, we'll see. I mean... I, my real belief is you make it economically viable, people will do it and it'll make sense. And there's lots of pleasure to be had in it. So Leslie, let me ask you, you've had a lot of careers along the way to the Asheville Hemp Project and you've had success in many different uh, spheres of business and art and, you know, farming and 
this, that, and the other. So I'm wondering, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned along the way that you can share with, you know, younger entrepreneurs, folks like me who I, I've had the pleasure of being mentored by Leslie a, a couple of times over the years. And, and so I'm wondering, what are some, some golden nuggets that you can share? I always try to encourage people to follow their passion. I think when passion becomes the fuel in your tank, you, the world will support you and you have a better shot at succeeding. And tenacity comes with that, right? You, you, you got to keep your head down and you got to stay focused. To be a successful entrepreneur, I think a little bit of monomaniacalism, you know, like don't get distracted by running here and running there and wanting to, you know, I hear that phrase, balance life, and I think, mm, yeah, okay, but, <laughs> you know, um, so the things I've been successful at, I had incredible f passion for, stayed focused, and fell asleep at night thinking about and woke up in the morning thinking about and sort of never ran out of the energy for. Um, so that's a big one. Um, learn from people who are up, up ahead of you on the path. I mean, it's efficient, right? Um, like if you're a carpenter, you know, there's nothing wrong with being an apprentice. You'll learn a lot of tricks that would take you decades to learn by figuring out yourself. So I think that's um, certainly a key. And I've had a couple of mentors along the way who have encouraged me and shown me the way and supported me. And so I think finding mentors who can do that for you, you know, who can catch your vibe and not squash your hope or enthusiasm or passion and who likewise get pleasure from giving that help. Fantastic. And in case you want to go and learn from a bunch of people who are in the industry who have been successful and from all across the board, you can pick up a copy of my book, The Cannabis Business Book on Amazon. And I profile and get the wisdom of over of 50 cannabis entrepreneurs. So uh, and another big part of that is I encourage everyone get a mentor get a coach, learn from people that can accelerate your progress and invest in your success. So I, I totally am on board with everything you said, Leslie. And to shift gears, I want to ask you how, if at all, in your experience, is the cannabis industry different from other industries you've been in? Well, in many ways, it follows the normal path of business. So the rules apply, right? The notion that uh, people can, you know, flip the rock over, crawl out from under an illicit world mentality and sort of jump into the legal cannabis space. I'm like, eh, maybe you need some training in the normal ways we do business. So in many ways, that's you know, consistent and normal. And I always say to add to the earlier question that's relevant here is hire people who have real expertise. Don't think you're going to know it all. You don't. And the younger you are, the less 
likely it is that you know a broad enough range of things to handle it all. On the flip side, how is the cannabis business different? I would say that, first of all, the passion for the plant, I've never seen anything like it, right? There are more people with deeper passion about the cannabis plant than any other industry I can think of. So people are leaping towards it. And that's not only to work in it or to be growers, let's say, or to be offering and delivering natural plant medicine, but also on the financial side. I mean, certainly there are some other sectors that have had their moments where money rushed towards them, but I've never seen anything like the cannabis space in that regard. It has also contributed to volatility. So the money rushes towards it and then everybody gets nervous and they run away and everybody who's in it stands there and says, what just happened, right? And business loves predictability. I mean, if you can find consistent methodologies, consistent sources of cash, um, you know, and, and the rules aren't changing every day. That's the other thing. The rules in cannabis are being developed on the fly. I mean, we're still in the process of passing the laws that make the plant legal everywhere in America with and without THC. So challenging, extra yeah. challenging. Absolutely. And that's another thing I say in the book. This industry is probably more difficult than any other industry you can be in right now, largely because of, first of all, the institutional bias against cannabis, you know, in the form of banking and taxes and all this other stuff. And the rules are constantly changing, which is like, you know, a, a huge, huge pain. Leslie, and costly, costly uh, by the way. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, that's not an insignificant <laughs> challenge. Leslie, I want to ask you, what's your superpower that's allowed you to, to, to achieve in many different industries and have you know, continued uh, success and contribution in different spheres of life? Well, I mean, I mentioned passion. It's key. I feel privileged to have been able to pursue my passion and to be successful pursuing passion. Um, I'm pretty down to earth, you know, I, I, and that makes me easy in many ways and can traverse across boundaries and can kind of hang with many types in many places. And, um, that perhaps has enabled me to go to, you know, tippy top of the heap running in New York City with the old guard, um, all the way to hanging with farmers on the Big Island or here in North Carolina or elsewhere. Um, so I, I'm a big believer of just um, keeping it simple, keeping it real. I don't know if it's a superpower, but it sort of makes it all flow 
in a kind of chill way that works for me anyway. Nice. So I'm hearing that you're super chill. <laughs> you know, the OG chill. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I wonder if the cannabis has anything to do with that. <laughs> it, well, well, what, whether the cannabis actually supports it or it's why I went to it, who knows, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That reminds me of once upon a time, a career or two ago, when I worked at Google, there was a, a company directory where you could look up anyone in the entire company and everyone was encouraged to make a three to five word personal mission statement or mantra or motto type thing. And so when you looked anyone up, it would be like their headshot and their mantra or motto. So if you typed me into the system, you would see, you know, this grinning doofus face. And then underneath it would say, keep it real. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, well, so that that aligns that that to me. And then the other thing is remaining flexible. Like, don't be so high-minded that you can't be the person to grab a broom and sweep the floor. Or, you know, you put me near a hoe and my first instinct is grab it and start looking for weeds, right? So, you know, that that sort of willingness to span the full range of what's required to make something really happen. Awesome. So let me ask you one more question before we shift into the coaching part, which sure. is what advice do you have for people who are trying to get into the industry or trying to get started or you know, maybe are afraid to, to get involved, but have that passion and don't know what the appropriate outlet for it is? Well, I would start with learning, gathering information and knowledge. And you can do that. Look, you just published a book. There are several others out there now that can be acquired, do lots of reading visit some businesses that do what you think you're interested in doing. There are a lot of networking events, or at least there used to be. Um, and, and I think that's happening all over the country, right? Whether you're in San Francisco or LA or Chicago or New Jersey or New York or wherever else, even here in Asheville, North Carolina, there's a group of, of hemp advocates and legalization advocates and farmers who get together. So meet the people in the biz, do your homework, learn as much as you can, maybe take a job. I've had people approach me like who wanna do their own company, but are willing to take a job for a period of time, maybe even volunteer, you know? At that point, it's not about the salary, it's about the learning that you can do. So I think a lot of market research, meeting the people who are in it, and then finding the right niche, the right opportunity for the time in the place that you're in so that you can build on your strengths. Yeah, excellent, I love that. And I, I just wanna echo what you said about volunteering because I, or, or taking a job. I often also speak with people who either want to start their own business or, or want to be in the industry, but don't really have much cannabis 
education. And I always tell them the best investment you can make in your cannabis success or your cannabis career is investing in your cannabis education. And one of the best ways to do that is to just go and help an existing advocacy group or community organization or someone who's doing good work for the community and for the plant. And not only will you learn a bunch, you'll get some good connections. And when you're ready to apply for a job or start a company and then try to go raise capital, you know, you'll have some definitive proof that you have that passion and that you have that commitment and that you've paid some dues. So, you know, it does, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can just go and find someone who's doing good work and lend a helping hand. It, it will go a long way. So yep. I, actually, I, I remembered one, one other thing I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. So I, I want to ask you about New Jersey because, uh -huh. you know, the expectation is that, you know, they're going to be voting on adult use this November. It's expected yep. to pass. Um, yep. You know, the medical expansion from last year is still caught up in litigation, as I understand. And yep. so, uh, you know, and, and for, for those at home who may not know, New Jersey is projected to be, you know, the number two sized adult use market after California, if it goes. And then, you know, of course, if New, if New Jersey goes, which I believe it will, then New York is going to have to finally step up and, and put a real program in place. So I'm just wondering, based on the work you do out there, what are you, what, what are you seeing or hearing or expecting for the future of, of New Jersey? I think it'll pass. I, I concur with everything you've said, Mike. Um, and I, I, I don't want to, you know, overstep here. I think they'll kind of clunk along putting the program together. It'll pass, it'll be legal, and then they're going to have to come up with the regs. And to say they've been moving at lightning speed and been at the bleeding edge of thinking on it all uh, would be a stretch, frankly. I mean, that program, initially, the medical program became legal in 2010, right? Signed into law. And I mean, it's still not got delivery. I mean, it's legally allowed, but the regs aren't in place. So therefore it doesn't happen, right? And uh, in a way COVID sort of forced them to jumpstart a few regs. At least they do curbside delivery now, for instance. But um, you know, what I'd love to see is them to pull that commission together that uh, is in the bill that passed to improve the medical program and issue more licenses. Get this industry going. Stop the long lines. Let's go, let's go, let's go. They'll get there. But, you know, and, and in fairness, I mean, I've never been, uh, uh, certainly never been an elected official and I've never worked in government. It doesn't move quickly, typically. I mean, it takes emergencies to make them kind of go, oh my gosh, we got to get going here. We got a crisis. But it'd be nice if they had the enthusiasm to really, you know, pull it together and make it roll. Make yeah. the industry strong. Yeah. And I will add my 
slightly controversial viewpoint. And I say that very tongue in cheek, which is, you know, we've seen now all of these states call Canada and all of these governments and governors call cannabis essential. And yet when I look at my home state, New York, you know, our medical program, it is so limited and it really bugs me that, you know, there's literally millions of people who can benefit from access to cannabis medicine and something that we've deemed essential and right. yet they're not doing anything to expand medical access even because you know they're so concerned about oh well how do we get adult use and you know playing the political game instead of just doing the right thing which is expanding patient access which we know is going to have positive outcomes and with right. very little downside. Um, so that, that grinds my gears a bit. In New York, we still don't even have access to flour, right? It's all oils, which to me is ludicrous. And the other thing is, you know, if you don't, if you, if you want to impact and bring down an illicit market, which is frankly un-American, right? <laughs> to, to, to basically foster illicit market is crazy. The only way, the only way is to provide access. Because I, yeah. the, people, the people will get their cannabis regardless right. of who they're getting it from, where they get it, and whether it's legal or not. That has been made clear over the last 70 years, right? Absolutely. I mean, we know that. Absolutely. So there, you know, and, and I think most folks in government have now come to realize, yes, it's essential as a medical um, opportunity. And it's also, they're all counting the money before they even get the program rolling to collect it. So that's the other reason. And when I say it's un-American to support an illicit market, it's because you're not collecting the tax revenue. Right. It's crazy. Right, right, right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, all right. It yeah. seems we're on the same page there. So Cuomo and Murphy and all you other guys, stop stalling. Get some sense. Get some urgency. It's probably more than just the governors you know it's yeah you need the governor's support of course and then it's down in the ranks it's like all of them get some urgency let's go let's go let's go right do the totally. work i get that there is work to be done but do it stop arguing about it stop making us retell you three million times why it's important just get on with it well you you see why these guys the electeds aren't farmers because I don't think they like doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> so we came back around to that. All right, let's shift gears into the coaching. So I, mean, I got to stretch and warm up. I got to, all right, now I'm ready. <laughs> so, so Leslie, let me ask you, what's your biggest challenge or roadblock in your business right now? Oh, let's see. Well, I, I, I talked about, I mean, this is the first time I have marketed ideas. I 
have had the vision for making the world a better place consistently and have published books and been a speaker and, you know, done events at universities and with the media promoting big ideas. But I have never been in the consumer packaged goods world at all. So I've got a lot of learning to do around distributors and shelf space and, you know, supporting vendors with programs. So that's a steep part of the learning curve for me that I'm enjoying, but I'm not going to tell you I can't make a mistake or just don't always know the answer. That's, that's a big one. Um, there aren't enough hours in the day, but I don't think you're going to coach me to improve that part. Um, let's see. That's, that's probably right now, really, you know, we make a special product that delivers benefits to people. So we feel strongly that we've got the goods, so to speak. And um, that, that leap from getting, having developed the products, having grown the plant, and then getting these sealed packages onto shelves. That, that last hurdle is definitely a challenge for me. Got it. So I'm hearing, just, just to make sure I'm hearing correctly and understanding you, it sounds like it's the distributor relationships and actually getting the product onto shelves. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's really what we're focused on. In addition to farming, it is the distribution piece that's crucial. So can you tell me a bit more about the roadblock or the, what's the specific, you know, challenge or sticking point for you? Um, it's probably, um, I mean, we've got some sales reps now. We have one distributor and his parting words to me were, don't just rely on me, make sure you go out and get 10 more like me. And so finding them, you know, and communicating the unique selling proposition of our products and then navigating, of course, you know, you've got all the folks who, you know, don't want to carry THC. Okay, so that it's categorizing it so that we can, you know, deliver the right products to the right distribution points or vendors even, you know, some of the large vendors um, like supermarkets, for instance, they might take the gum and they certainly could take the lip balm. Uh, they're not going to sell even an olive oil based extract, typically, I think. Maybe a health food store, yes. But so it's just navigating that landscape. I mean, it's a place that for me, having a mentor would be a great thing. You know, somebody who says, boom, I know them all. Here you go call that guy, he's my buddy, ba ba ba, perfect. Or, hey, that shelf display you created, nice, but make sure you also create individual packages that hang on a peg. I'm like, okay, what's a peg? Now I know. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a little box for the uh, lip balm to go into, so it hangs on a peg. Yep, great. So I love that you went exactly where I was 
thinking of and and so i'm wondering do you have a cpg mentor i don't have a mentor what i do have i have a marketing team that is international they have offices in new york miami and in germany and they know principally the beverage industry but they're knowledgeable and that is helpful but um, to have somebody who really knows the American CPG world would be awesome. It'd be great. I'm going to count on you, Mike. Send me one if you know. So <laughs> I, I actually, I know. I, well, Introduce me. You're not going to send them. Introduce me to them and see if I can convince them to help us. How about that? Sure. I, I actually, I have someone who comes to mind who's a distributor in the vape world. Oh, and, okay. and I think, he, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to introduce you. And I think he might have some good advice for you. He's run retail stores and smoke shops and like all that kind of thing. And has uh -huh. been in that space for, I would say at least a decade, but beyond oh. that, that that's, that's a no brainer. I'm happy to do that. But Thank I, you. I'm willing to bet that in your network, the person that CPG executive or veteran or whoever is in there, whether it's a, you know, a first degree connection or a friend of a friend, I'm right. willing to bet that you already have that person in your, in your ecosystem. And, uh -huh. and I, I'm, it, I'm, my sense, my hunch is that you haven't really put a lot of time and effort into connecting with that mentor or advisor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that prod because funny enough, I do have a friend um, who is a senior VP at Pepsi. I guess you don't get more CPG than that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, I hear that she's you're... gonna get a note after this. <laughs> there you go. I was about to ask. What's the, what's the action step we can get yeah, to? That's right. it. Right. You're gonna introduce me to the vape guy. I'm gonna send a note to my Pepsi friend. <laughs> that sounds good. It sounds like my work here is done, and so I'm ready to tour the farm. How about you, Leslie? <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Absolutely. I'm gonna pop that piece of gum in my mouth. Nice. Amazing. Okay, little CBD for the walk. There you go. And when I get outside, I'm going to slide on some sandals. And then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to walk you down. Awesome. Live from Asheville. Live from Asheville. You got it. Let's see. See if I can how to up oh, right there. Okay. These are our iconic tobacco drying barns. Wow. You said the farmers from the thirties? Is that right? Yeah, nineteen thirty-five. Wow. And you see the slab, right? Can you see that? How you can see right through the barn? Yeah. 
What what's the purpose for that? Say that again. Is there a purpose for that? Is there a reason for that or? Yeah, it 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 enables airflow. See. But what I'm really taking you to see is some flowers and some hemp plants in the field. Oh man, can't wait. Yeah, there you go. It's tractor, rototiller, lawnmower. So this is a new flower bed I've been working on. See these plants here? These are nasturtiums. Oh, little. But those are tobacco. In fact, it's a variety called Only the Lonely. <laughs> <laughs> and these are poppies. Here, that's amaranth, sunflowers, Mexican sunflowers, zinnias. These are all flowers here. But check this out, Mike. These are CPG plants. <laughs> plants. Oh man. You're getting, the, you're getting the gist? That's right. Okay. Look at those. Look at those. Right? I mean these plants, I mean the stalks on these plants are incredible. I mean, look at that. Wow. Strong, healthy, three feet tall, some of them. So these plant these fields are all planted. And way down there at the bottom, that big rectangle, that's our victory garden. Corn, beans, squash, tomatoes, basil, Amazing. beets, carrots, cilantro. Oh, so have I convinced you to come to Asheville, Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm ready. You, tell your you get off this call. You tell your girlfriend, honey, we're going. I'm, wi I'm willing. <laughs> she, she'll be excited to hear that. Yeah, cool. Nice, right. awesome. Yeah. So it was a pleasure being with you today, Mike. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much, Leslie. It was always, yeah. always great to chat with you. And I'm delighted that I got to see the farm. And I look forward to the day that I can visit in real life and, and walk the field with you. Please come on down. We'll do a little barbecue, hang out. Amazing. The tobacco smells fantastic in the evenings. Why is that? The flowers put out their scent in the evenings. Ah, oh, all right. Okay. So there we go. Okay. Yep. Maybe pick a full moon night. Have some fun. <laughs> that sounds great. All right, Leslie, thank all you right. so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Take care. See ya. Bye bye. Talk bye. soon. Yep. Ciao. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is the cannabis business coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is the cannabis business coach.